Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. You know, we're a non-denominal church, but we're one body with Baptist, Presbyterian, Church of God, Pentecostal holiness, whatever you can come up with. We're in the body of Christ. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether free or slave, we have all made to drink into one spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit. Verse 14, for in fact, the body is one member, not one member, but many, okay? Lord woke me up at two o'clock this morning and, and this is what I got to set up our testimony time because many don't know about, you know, testifying. And so if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not the body, is it therefore not of the body? Is still not the foot part of your body? And look at the next verse. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? He's asking that question. No, it's still part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Okay? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say, he's going over it again. To the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. That there should be no schism. That means no yuck, yuck, no yeah, 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 okay, in the body. Because you're not better than anybody else, and neither am I. But the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Isn't that good? I I don't know where I got it. I think the Lord gave it to me. You know, somebody said, I'm the little toe. And I heard somebody say, you ever stub your little toe? You need the little toe. But my my saying was, let me take a hammer to your little toe and let's see if it doesn't affect the whole body. It will affect your whole body. It will shut you down. You know, you may not even be able to dance on one foot. You may just fall to the ground. So what I'm saying is everybody's important. Everybody. And so you may hear a testimony and it may be a miracle. Then you may hear a testimony and it'd be like, that could just be coincidence. I want to take us to where we got miracles and coincidences because there's no coincidence in God. My point is every testimony is important and everybody that's weak, who's strong, who's whatever is important. And this is what the Lord, I used to do children's church from time to time and uh, I was teaching on David and Goliath 
And you know, with kids, you got to be animated, you got to be fast moving. You know, and David uh, was just a young kid, you know, and I'm talking to him, and, and he, he went down to the riverbank and he took up these five smooth stones, and I said, he, boy, he worked that sling and he killed the giant. And little boy raised his hand and said, he killed it with a rock. And I said, boy, he's listening. Yeah, yeah. And I said, and so the giant fell, and the little girl raised her hand. I said, yeah, yeah. And she goes, can we pray for my cat? It's missing. And I went, okay. But wait. But wait. She's at least asking God to help her with her problem. See, not that she, you know, I'm, I'm this great teacher. She's supposed to be paying attention to me. But, but, but wait a minute. She's asking. That's the biggest problem in her life right now is her cat missing. And you may not be a cat person, but that's her need. And when somebody testifies, you're like, well, that ain't nothing. Well, it wasn't for you maybe 15 years ago, but it's important to them. What I'm saying is honor people's testimony day and honor people because the Spirit of God's working in everybody in this building. And when you dishonor them, you're dishonoring what God's doing in them. So, so we have got to honor people and honor their testimony. It may seem like trivial to you, but it's important to them. You hear me? So honor the testimony today. We're going to have some word too, but let's honor the testimony. And uh, uh, let, me, let me see what else. You know, you need to learn to appreciate what God's doing in people. Listen, as, as the body of Christ, here's the key. Can the hand say to the foot, remember we just read that, and the eye say, I don't need you. Here's the problem. In the body of Christ, people see, I won't do that. But maybe you're not called to do that. And so you're frustrated. You hear me? You see, you can be trained to do anything in the body of Christ. You can. But there's a grace that God gives for you and a gifting God gives for you to be the hand, to be the feet, to be the ear, to be the eye. Not that you, oh, I'm the eye, I see bad right over here. Let me go over here and let me tell, Pastor, right over here. No, that's not what the eye does. Come on. How many of you the heart of God? What's the heart of God? That's my intercessory prayer, people. Oh, they're calling down the will of God to earth. They, 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 their heart breaks every time they hear somebody's divorcing or somebody's on drugs or somebody's drinking. The heart of God starts beating in them. Come on. Come on. And so maybe God's calling you to step into intercessory prayer. Maybe your heart's breaking over people. Maybe, maybe you need to be go be the hands. I think Angie and Kenny are the hands. They open up Grace Point Center. They're being the hands in the community. Some people are called to be the feet. Hey, so what? We're going all going to open a Grace Point Center? No, we don't have the grace for it. You see what I'm saying? So find your gift and start walking in it. People who don't find their gift, they gripe about everything. Okay. They gripe about everything. <laughs> they talk to the wall. When gripers and complainers rise up, it's because they don't know where they're at. They don't know who they are, where they fit. Amen? And when you see somebody that's griping about everything, uh, they're not honoring anybody. They're not honoring God. 
They may lift their hands in worship. See, here's the whole thing. We need to live a life in honor. It's another sermon for another time. But honor the anointing on me, honor the anointing on our church, and honor the anointing on one another. Because, see, I have to walk by faith just like everybody down here. I'm, just because I'm the pastor don't mean I've got, I, boy, you're special. No, I'm not. I deal with everything you deal with. And so we all have to walk together on the ground, and, but we, we honor one another, okay? All right, all right, all right. You know, we got to, I, I just want to say, how, how, we want to testify how good God is, amen? What he's done in your life. And so, uh, uh, can I pick somebody to start off? You got five, five or six people say they want to testify. Come on, buddy. I'm going to pick on buddy. There you go. Hold it up close there. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, a lot of y'all know that I was alcoholic for years and years, 23 years. Um, October, God delivered me from that. And that's nine months today without a drink. And that in itself is a miracle. Um, but I want to talk today about what he did with my relationship with Jericho. Uh, we met five years ago, almost six. Fell in love immediately. And uh, she knew that I was an alcoholic. She still loved me. And I, I did what I did, alcoholic. I, I made her life miserable along with myself and uh, October it come to a head we was in the car I was drunk I wanted to go get more beer she said no I smack in the car in neutral it's crazy addiction's a crazy thing and uh, my two oldest kids in the back that's that's how strong addiction is it's bad and uh, God's the only way out of it um, smack in the car in the neutral she said, I don't want to be in here. I said, get out. I'll drive. I can't. I went home. She threw me out. Begged her. Like, it happened once a year at least. I begged her every time. Please. I'd, I'd lay drunk and beg her until she finally gave in. This time she didn't give in. Uh, so I cried the week like I normally did, but I didn't lay drunk this time. I told God I couldn't do it no more. And uh, and he knew I couldn't do it no more. He just was waiting on me. And... Uh, so, when I come back to Virginia, I said, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to give my life to God, and I'm going to follow God, because I know with or without Jericho in my life, God's going to do what's best for both of us. So, when we came to church here at Legacy, for the first month, month and a half, we wasn't even a couple. We was coming together to raise our children in a church, and... Uh, we started doing things, life groups and stuff, and uh, God slowly was mending our hearts back together as one. We uh, He gave us marriage on the rock, Caleb and Kayla, and they know <laughs> that we both had issues, but God worked through them with us. And uh, by the grace of God, June 24th, we was married right here. And just nine months ago, we thought it was over. And now we got the chance to glorify God and raise our kids with God's help. So anybody battling addiction, you know anybody battling addiction? It's scary. It's tough. And sometimes it feels like you can't do it. 
and you can't. I couldn't, but God can. And that's always what you got to remember. I can't, but God. Come on. Come on, glorify God. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Now you're sitting there going, well, mine's not, that's awesome. Mine's not that good. Well, come on anyway. It doesn't matter because you know what? What you've got to tell will bless somebody. Come on, anybody? God's a rewarder. Yes. Uh, Everybody knows or should know about almost a year ago, uh, I lost my husband to cancer. And um, I went from being in a home with my family to being married to being alone and I was never I never alone on my own at all any during my life and so it was a shock um, to say the least but God is gracious he is faithful to his word uh, in the beginning the first few months were very very hard uh, every thought that anybody could think of about doing, I understand God's given me a perspective of why people do the things they do when they're lonely. Uh, you know, trying to wash it away, the pain away with alcoholism or drugs or even the thought of suicide come across my mind because it was just such a painful, hurtful place. But one day I was at my low, uh, low point in my life and I said, Lord, you know this is a part of life. You know that death is a natural part of life and that separation in that death is. And I said, and you had to make a way. You had to, to have something that, that we could count on from you. And he took me to Isaiah and where it says that he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. At that moment in time, I asked him, I said, Did you? that's me. Can I have this? And he said, yes. And immediately that lifted. Do I say I've I'm not had bad days? I have bad day, I have bad, bad moments, but they don't have me, uh, they don't have me anymore. God, he is so gracious and he loves us so much more than we love ourselves. And he makes, he, he takes care of us even in the low parts of our lives. And I was sharing with pastor this morning, I'm not going to take, um, much time, but I was mowing Friday, uh, and I was just thinking of all the blessings the Lord has has given to me. Uh, I, one time I was praying, I said, Lord, I'd like to have a brick house. He gave us a brick house. I said, Lord, I would like to have an SUV one of these years. I never prayed for these things. I just mentioned them one, di- one time, and after years later, a few years later, we were able to have the SUV and pay cash for it. I was, uh, you know, uh, I even asked one time, uh, I said, Lord, I'd like to have a wool rug for my living room, uh, area rug that matches my, my couch. And lo and behold, he made that possible. And it's, it's like I said, it's not that I'm seeking those things, but he loves us so much, he doesn't mind giving us the desires of our heart. But you have to do it according to the word where it says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added amen amen isn't that good glory to God 
Lord spoke to me two weeks ago and said, share your story. I will get the glory. Needless to say, the last 15 months of my life has been a journey that's been remarkable. We walked in this church April last year. And at that time, I was at the lowest of my life, thinking, God, are you real? Even though I knew he was real, I felt like he had abandoned me. And when I walked in, Donna back there just oozed love from the Father. And I knew I'd found my place to grow where God wanted me to grow. Then we went through the transformation series. And then in May, as you know, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. That shocking news, I sat down and I said, God, I know. You sit high, you look low. You told us to cast our cares upon you. You care for us. And I physically took the fear, the doubt, the sicknesses, and I said, God, I lay them at your feet. You are my healer. You are my redeemer. You are the God that saved me. You are my way maker. You are the king of kings. You are, you are, you are. And I refuse to believe anything else. As we went through the process, they were saying surgery, surgery, surgery. Because the occipital nerve becomes so swollen that was pressing into the brain stem. And I literally was having many strokes. And on Thursday in October, I had just gotten out of the hospital from many strokes. And I said, on Sunday, I'm going to church. I was weak in my body, but God, I must touch the hem of your garment. I must press through. We came into service that morning and Philip Baker was here. And I will never forget him saying, there's people here having problems in their back, their neck and everything. And I was sitting in my faithful back seat. And he said, if you're having any of those complications, please stand. When I stood up and he said, raise your hands. When I came in the service, I could only raise my hands like this. And I couldn't even turn to look either way. And he says, do something that you could not do. And I said, God, I lift my hands and I will praise you with my whole heart. I praise you and I honor you and I glorify you. I know that my Redeemer lives. And when I did that, I physically felt and heard snap, crack, pop, just my neck literally started shifting into place and the more I said God I love you not just because he healed me but because his love because of who he is 
He cares for us to the minute things, to the big things. And it's been remarkable of this journey of how much he's, he's healing me internally of things that I've carried for 30, 40 years. Life groups have been a blessing to me, my family. I'm seeing family restorations. I have a sister-in-law that she and I have not even been able to sit in the room together. We couldn't even look at each other. And God said, I died for her. Love her as I've loved you. And do you know within the last, what, three months, we've sit in the room together. We've actually been able to hug each other and look eye to eye and say, I love you. Because with the loving kindness, he draws us as he pours into us. We're to, we're to pour it out onto people. It's not just for us to hold on. Tell your story. God will get the glory. And during this time, he did tell me, John 11, this sickness is not unto death, but it's to glorify the Father. Do what you see the Father do. And that's what I have chosen to do. Glory, glory. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Acts 10, 38 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. And the Holy Spirit's still here doing good. Yes. Amen. Yes. Glory be to God. Anybody else? Come on. All right. What is God doing in your life? Well, many of you know me probably, you know, you see me walk with in other places, just carrying my stuff around and trying to get from here to there. Well, my story is very simple, is that uh, God will always answer a prayer in his time. You know, it may not be my time or your time or the world's time, but he's going to come through for you. And believe it or not, he came through for me. Uh, I'm driving a car now and everything, and, you know, I kept having faith and believing and believing. Hey, look, you know, it's going to happen, you know, and it did. And, you know, and I give him the praise and the thanks for it, and I give him the praise and the thanks for the people who made it happen. And my point is don't never give up on God. He will come through for you. Just have faith, just believe, and he will come through. I mean, if you're negative all the time, you know, it's it's not going to happen. But you got to be positive. you got to keep the faith. And that's one thing I learned from that experience. Always keep the faith, keep, keep believing, and keep pushing on. Don't never give up. So, you know, if you got any dreams or ambitions or anything, just keep believing. It's going to happen. You know, put your faith and trust in God, and, and he will come through for you. I mean, if he come through for me, he's going to come through for you. No matter what you need, you know, he'll be there. So anyway, I hope and pray for everybody here that, you know, that you listen and you take my word serious on this and that you really believe it. And, you know, ask God, you know, he's, he's going to come through for you. You just have to keep believing and believing. He'll come through in his time. Not my time or your time, but his time. Amen. Amen. 
Let me tell you a little background on that. Somebody was sitting in the church and saying, I'm going to believe for them, him a car. I'm going to believe God. And he, 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 with his faith, joined with his faith. And you know what? He got him a car. Glory to God. Anybody else? Come on. Hallelujah. Sorry, I've been so nervous to do this. My story starts out when, when I was little. Um, me and my sister grew up in a lot of drinking and drugs and, you know, well, I started making those choices for my kids too. And I began to do all those things around my kids. I ended up in and out of jail all my life, um, overdoses and everything. I ended up losing custody of my kids, and that still wasn't enough. I, my addiction was still t- too strong. Um, later on in life, my husband passed away, and, you know, things happened. I ended up with another child who almost, it almost cost her her life. And I cried out to God in the hospital when she was born. I really didn't believe in God a lot until that, until then. And she wasn't breathing or anything. I cried out to God. I literally saw her chest rise. And that's what got me. I believed with all my heart. Since then, I have I've been on a walk with God. And He has showed me so many things. Throughout my past, I can look back and see how he protected me. How he was there, like the song Reckless Love says, when he, when I was his foe, his love fought for me anyway. His love is so big. I had tried so many times to get clean, and I couldn't do it. Like Buddy said, I couldn't do it. I wasn't strong enough. But Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. It doesn't matter what you're strong enough to do. He can do it. I was in addiction for for about 20 years, and he can do it. Um, I know a lot of my issues came from I let the enemy beat me down a lot over the temptations and things, over the things that I had done. And a scripture that helped me a lot was 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And that is so true because there's so many times the enemy will try to beat you down. There's so many times the enemy tried to remind me of everything, but it is normal to be tempted. But God can overcome. God can help you overcome those temptations. And I have one more scripture that just came to me during worship. So, but it is Philippians 1.6. Um, I'm 
It's Philippians 1.6. Um, being confident in this. Uh, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to the day of Christ Jesus. And I believe that with all my heart. I know that. Come August 9th, I will be a year clean. This is my first year. So. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory to God. Oh, man. God is good. Woo. Come on. Isn't that awesome? You know, God wants to do that for you. You say, well, I'm not on drugs. Yeah, but he wants to get you a house. He wants to get you a car. But you can't see because you all you see is darkness. I'm speaking to somebody. You know those saying you can't see the trees for the forest? You can't see God because you're looking at the darkness. Who's next? Come on. Uh-oh. You're on a time limit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, they probably can't recognize me. That son killed me yesterday. Uh, anyway, I got a scripture I want to read. Consider it nothing but joy. It's James, James 1, 2, and 3. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that testing your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. I found my inner peace because I've taken myself out of a box. It's just like God, like Pastor Brett said in some of his Wednesdays meetings. Take God out of that box, and you'll find that he'll do more things than you realize. Because, you know, I've been asked to go speak at a church give my testimony at church and come and speak to them and it's been a special thing to me because I never thought let's see four or five years ago I don't want to put it up too high <laughs> well, if you get too high it'll be getting too loud but uh, <laughs> but it's been special because they asked me to come back to speak to the to men and to youth and it's special because I never thought I would see myself doing that because number one you know this man right here is a special man, believe it or not. Because when I come to this church, I was like, man, I, uh, yeah. But then as I continue coming, continue coming and listening, he's a teacher, he's a motivator, he's a special person because he has love for everybody he talks to. And every person I met in this place has love in their hearts because you can tell it. Because I've been in places where me and my wife went and it's just like, And I'm not dogging nobody, but you get that feeling. But God loves everybody. He took us from, you know, like I said, I don't know if anybody knows my, my, my past, but my past, everybody's got a past, but not everybody's got a future unless you give it to God. Because if you don't give it to God, you're going to stay stagnant. You're just going to stay there and you're going to keep doing the same things, same things, same things. It's just like if you're trying to free yourself from drugs and alcohol, you can't go around alcoholics. You can't go around drug people. You can't do it. You find you some good people like we found here, and you come and enjoy yourself because it's a joy. Like I said, they got love, and I love this place. Thank you all so much. Amen, amen. <laughs> How many pastors would have been offended when they said they walked in to the Welcome Center, and they said they knew this was home before I ever even preach. What is that about? 
They didn't even hear the band sing. And I'm like, what is that? Because we pray for the Spirit of God to be on us as a people, on our church. And when they walk in the door, they sense the love of God. It ain't about me. It ain't about the praise team. It's about every one of us showing the love of God. Amen. Who's next? All right, all right. Christ set me free from homosexuality. He didn't just set me free. He shattered the chains. When I came, he pursued me with his love so much. His grace wooed me to his finished work and not my self-righteousness that caused me to lay it down and just give it all to him. And I have not stepped back nor have any desire to ever turn back because I met the one who loved me no matter what. For he didn't just give his life for me at my best. He gave his life for me at my worst. Who does that? Who does that? There's no one that would give their love, give their life, give everything at someone's worst. There's no one that is faithful and true that will hold you no matter what when every single person turns their back on you and says there's no way that he did that in you let me tell you he is faithful and he will hold you so if there's someone in here today struggling that's been told that they have to remain in the pit whatever pit it is I'm here to tell you that there's no pit too deep for the mighty hand of Jesus Christ to reach into and pull you out. And when he pulls you out and sets you on his rock, there's no one, not even a breath of wind, will be able to blow you off because you know that you know that you know that you've been saved by a Savior that will never leave you nor forsake you. And all he asks is that you surrender it all at his feet. And let him do the work that only he can do. I couldn't set myself free. I tried. And every single time I'd go back. Why couldn't I set myself free? Because I was in my pride. I was in my self-righteousness. I had to lay it down. I had to know that there was only one that could heal me. There was only one who could free me. And it was nothing that I could do. It was the Holy Spirit within me who wooed me. And I didn't even know that I had been changed. That's the amazing part of it. I didn't know until I saw a commercial. And when I saw a commercial, I got physically sick. It wasn't the people. It was it no longer lined up with me. And that day I knew the scales of my heart, the eyes, the eyes that were covered by scales fell that day. And I heard him say to me, you were never born that way. And since that day, I have never returned because I know who, I'm, who I am and who I belong to. My message for anyone who's dealing with someone who has whatever they're bound in, I don't care what they're bound in, drugs or alcohol, doesn't matter. Bondage is bondage. 
if you have someone who's in it, don't let anybody or anything tell you that you don't have what it takes because you've never been there to be able to minister to them because you have the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit will guide you to minister to them no matter what. Do not shy away because you have never been down that road because those are missed opportunities. All I can say is Jesus Christ saved my life and he will continue to hold me because he's faithful to finish what he has started in me. And I thank you guys. Glory to God. Give her a hug. Amen. So, these last days, as you can already see, that's prevalent. Can't say he, can't say she, can't say all that mess. You see all that's going on. That's the enemy. And we're in the last days. But it is broken in Jesus' name. And so the anointing of God that's on her, that delivered her, is on our house. Amen. So people come in here, they'll get free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on. You need to believe for that. You don't want to be like, come on. Remember I told the story of the little girl in our youth group, and her parents said, you don't need to be going to that church. And she became a stripper. And I cried every time I thought about her. And I invited her to church, and I invited her to church even after she's grown with kids. And somebody in my church said, well, I don't know if we want somebody like that. I said, well, yes, we do. Yes, we do, because God loves them. See, that's uh, we got to honor people because you got to look at people the way God does. They're not hopeless. No one is too far. She said, "Nobody. there's not a pit too deep. He pulled us all out of the muck and the mire and set our feet upon the rock, and we all need to give the grace as somebody, she said, uh, and, and give that grace cup. Come drink this cup of grace and mercy and let God's love just pour all over you. We love you. Amen? Woo! My goodness, who's next? Well, I don't want to follow that. Oh, yeah, you do. Come on. It's all good. Because it's God. Come on. Uh-oh. Woo! It's going to be good. It will be good. Um, a lot of y'all know this already, but um, about a month ago, I was actually working up here, being coded, we're in the office talking, and uh, my mom calls me and says, I just had to call 911 on your dad, uh, he's having a heart attack. Um, so we don't have any police officers in here today that I can see, so from the church to my house, I drove 90 uh, to get there, and um, I get there, and he's basically on the floor, just moaning in pain, and um, I get down there with him, and I'm, I got my hands on him, I'm just praying for him. And he start. this is the first part of the testimony. Um, while he's in between the moaning and all that kind of stuff, he starts saying the Lord's Prayer, which is just, I never knew my dad was a Christian. So this was, this was like really eye-opening to me. So I, I'm down on the floor with him. I crawl over, so I'm facing him now. And I start talking to him. I said, Dad, I said, do you know if something, if, if this doesn't go well, uh, do you know that you're going to heaven? And he said, I do. And I said, I, he said, I made that decision a long time ago. He said, I know I haven't always lived like it, but I've already made that decision. So I look at him, I said, so you're telling me that you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior? And he says, yes, I have. So that was the first part of the testimony. So, um, yeah, there we go. That's, that's like the most exciting part right there. But anyways, um, so the ambulance finally gets there after about 25 minutes of me getting there. So keep that in mind. I beat the ambulance by 25. Anyways, that's a different story. So I, I get, we, we get the, the ambulance gets there. Eventually we get to Pulaski. 
And when we're in the hospital in Pulaski, I'm in the waiting room there, and he's back in the back. They won't let me come see him yet. And over the over the, the, the speakers they have there, I hear code blue. If you don't know what code blue means, uh, code blue means that basically he's not breathing and he has no heartbeat. Basically, he, he died there. And um, so eventually they, they bring him back. The doctors do awesome in Pulaski, and they get him on a, on a helicopter and fly him to Salem. And he's in Salem, and, and they're just doing amazing things for him, and you start to see some improvement. And then after a few days, you start to see things declining to the point where the Sunday night after that happened, I'm in the room there with him, and I'm looking at the monitors, and I see his heart rate going around like 35. Now, yeah, that's, that's pretty awfully low for a heart rate. So, And Monday morning, um, early, early Monday morning, his heart stops again. He codes again. And the doctors actually bring him back again. They do their work and bring him back. And it's a real traumatic thing when people do that, when they bring you back like that. So he actually signs what's called a DNR. And a DNR means do not resuscitate. So basically that means if, if he goes again, he just wants to go. He doesn't want to go through that again. Um, so a couple hours after he signs that DNR, um, he codes a second, I guess a third time total, he codes again. And at this time, the doctors can't do anything because he signed that paperwork. Um, so he's just, he's just laying there. He's, he's gone for two to three minutes. Um, literally nothing. Um, he turns blue, eyes open, stared at the ceiling. He has nothing for two to three minutes. And uh, my mom walks over to him and basically pats him on the shoulder to tell him goodbye. And when she pats him on the shoulder, he comes back. After being gone for two to three minutes, he comes back a, a, a third time there. So then, then at that point, they said, well, maybe he's going to make it, so maybe we should think about putting a pacemaker in him. Uh, so that afternoon, they decided to put a pacemaker in him. And um, I actually go down with him to the heart cath lab where he's getting ready to do the prep work for that. And I, um, he's getting ready. The doctors are taking him back, and he asked me to pray for him. So I put my hands on him. I pray for him one last time. And I step outside the door there, and as I step outside the door, I hear code blue in the heart cath lab. And I knew my dad was the only person in there. And so basically he, he goes for the, that's the fourth time total there. And he comes back again, and actually it's, it was really cool. I was in the, in the hallway there wondering what to do. And the anesthesiologist actually comes out to me and talks to me for a second and says, hey, just want you to know he comes back. He came back again. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, you be praying out here. He said, we're going to be praying in there with him. So that's just the coolest thing to have the anesthesiologist come out and tell you that. So. So anyways, he gets, the, he gets the pacemaker put in, and he's been improving every day since then. He spent three weeks in the hospital, and he's home now and getting stronger every day, and it's just been awesome to see what God's doing in him. He's, I believe that the God, my expectation is complete and total health in his body, just like he has in his spirit now. So, Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Isn't that awesome? Wow, wow, wow. God is good. Who's next? Come on, don't leave me any time to preach another hour and a half. I just want to give a testimony about um, offering and tithing and worship. About four and a half years ago, I went through a horrible divorce. Um, my husband left me with nothing and decided to um, tell me he was going to divorce me, but not actually start the process. So after about a year into this, I'm like, Lord what do I do? Nothing's happening. Nothing's moving. I have no money. I have no finances, but God, um, in the time that he left, I just started tithing, um, pennies, change, whatever people gave to bless me to take care of our home. Because literally for four and a half years, people took care of me. People paid my bills. They bought groceries. They gave me cash, anything that I needed, they took care of. And with everything that was given, I gave 10% every time. And I actually had a pastor ask me why I kept putting change in the offering basket. And I said, because that's what I have. That's my 10%. So I heard the Lord clearly say, 
um, you're going to divorce and I want you to start the process. And I was like, Lord, that's not my heart's desire. And then the Lord gave me a word to start the process. And so my bad self said, okay, fine. You provide the money, God. <laughs> I'll do that. And I started talking to attorneys. And it was anywhere from five to $6,000 just to start the process. My marriage was a long-term 31-year marriage. And they thought it was going to just take six weeks. So I met an attorney. He gave me his prices. Um, and then he gave me a court cost, which was $500. So I prayed. And somebody had given me money that day. I tithed again. My girlfriend called the next morning and said, I have $500. The Lord said, you're supposed to start your divorce process. I went back to the attorney. The attorney's like, Heather, I've never met anyone like you. I've never heard a story like yours. I'm taking you pro bono. But the $500 court cost has to be covered. I already had the money to cover it. That was the starting of it. So I just kept tithing. I kept giving everything I had. And the divorce took almost four and a half years. And in that process, at about two years, the attorney's like, this should be over. We should be done. I was happy with the settlement I was getting. I was content. I was like, Lord, why is this taking so long? I don't understand. And I just heard the Lord say, rest. I want you to rest. And every time I would get discouraged, I would just worship. I'm telling you, if you need anything, worship. God will answer you every single time in that process. Every time, I promise. And so it, the, the two-year delay, um, I understood at the end of the divorce. When we got to the finality of the divorce, after about four and a half years, about a month before everything was signed and ready to be given, I said, I heard the Lord say, I want you to ask for more. And I'm like, Lord, I'm satisfied with what I'm getting. How can you ask me to ask for more? There's nowhere possible that that can come from. And so I didn't. I waited. I didn't ask for more. I felt I was being selfish. And Lord, again, about two weeks prior to everything ending, I heard the Lord say, I want you to fervently ask for more. In that process, I kept tithing. I kept worshiping. I kept believing God. And when we came down to it, and we went into court, and we went for the finality of everything to happen. Um, we went in with what I was satisfied with for the settlement. And the attorneys laughed at even what I was allowed to have legally. They wanted to fight. They wanted to keep fighting. And by the end of the settlement, and, and this was by the grace of God, and I don't know how it happened other than God, we walked out with double what I was told I was going to get. And I'm not saying that to brag. But I'm saying that because also in the process of my praise and worship and giving change, I had told the Lord, and it may sound crazy, but I told the Lord, all I want is a Dodge Ram truck. <laughs> it's out in the parking lot. <laughs> I was able to pay for it. And the next thing. The next thing I asked the Lord for, because my husband left our house in foreclosure, I asked for a house that no one can take. And I was able to sign papers on a house that no one can take. And I'm sharing that because if you think that God doesn't want you, if you think that the Lord doesn't want to bless you, you're wrong. But there's a walk to get there. You have to honor the Lord 
and that starts with your tithes and offerings because it started with change and it starts with worship because God knows your heart's desires. He wants you to share with him. He wants you to praise him. He wants you to worship him no matter where your walk is and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I just I just want to read something that somebody gave me in the middle of this to encourage you because it encouraged me. This was a prophetic word to me. Phenomenal days await you, and I mean phenomenal to the fullest extent. You are entering into a God-ordained stretch of time where you'll have to pinch yourself because the time ahead will be so unbelievably good. Extraordinary blessings are coming to your way because of your faithfulness. You will receive blessings beyond your wildest dreams in areas that you aren't even aware of. Prepare yourself to be astonished in countless ways. God is opening the floodgates of his favor. In the verse that was given was 30, Psalm 31:19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of your sons and men. So be faithful with your tithes and offerings and worship him. Hallelujah. God is good. Anybody else? Time's running out. church I was struggling with that real bad and when I came to this church there was like a fire so bad in this church and I was like "Ooh, I love this church so bad this is my home and like I don't know like the spirit of God he like refreshed me and brought me out of that and I'm so blessed for that and it's so lovely God can do everything he can take you from addiction to glorifying him so phenomenally like it's so good amen somebody give her a hug amen God is good Woo. amen amen okay about last year we were in little foggy this morning, froggy. <laughs> we were in Michigan, and things just fell through, so we decided to come back to Virginia. And all we had was $600 on our hand. And anyway, we had some friends, we were praying about it, that invited us to stay with them so we could get our feet back on the ground. And we wanted to get Chase in pre-K, too. And we were having a hard time finding a school for them because everybody was pretty much booked. And the friends we were staying with had their son in a Christian school. And they happened to have one opening left in pre-K. And we got a grant where we only had to pay $100 a month for Chase to go to a Christian school and be able to start pre-K. So we were blessed with that. And both of us found jobs. We uh, found a place to live after three months, started getting our feet back on the ground, and 
things were going good. We still struggle, but we know God's in our life, and he continually blesses us and helps us out in hard times. Amen, amen. Anybody else? One more. Oh, three more. Come on. Six more. Come on. Come on, you come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. We'll let these three go. We're not in a hurry, are we? Well, I've been hanging on to this for a couple years, and I said, Lord, when it's time, you tell me, and I'll, I'll share this because it's hard to get through. Um, I'm a private person when it comes to personal stuff, uh, but I'm a band director at Fort Chiswell High School, and I'm in front of kids and people a lot. Um, and the Lord's blessed me over the years with when uh, a problem comes up with a kid. Uh, and I've seen a lot of kids with some real deep issues. And sometimes they happen suddenly. Sometimes they happen right in front of you. Uh, he'll calm me down and allow me to find a solution to the problem. I don't panic. I go into problem-solving mode. And he provides a solution. And I've always been blessed to be able to do that until uh, my son was diagnosed with epilepsy a few years back. And he's getting better all the time. And... and and we're still praying and believing for that to, to be solved. But the day that we discovered it, he uh, was twitching in the morning. Uh, he had gotten up for school and laid back down and gone to bed. And uh, I saw him twitching. I thought he was joking around. He's a joker. I said, boy, get out of bed. You got to go to school. And he didn't respond. So uh, my wife said, you know, I'm going to take him to the doctor in Radford tonight. We're going to have this checked out. This looks a little weird. But, you know, we just didn't know what it was. Uh, so I was running a band boosters meeting that night. She said, you go and run the meeting. I'll take him down after work. He'll be all right. So she took him to Radford, and he went to the doctor. And she called me before the meeting and said, um, they're going to do, you know, do a scan on him, check him out, and see how things are going. You know, They just wanted to do some tests. I said, all right, you call me and let me know. I'm going to keep my phone on, which I don't do when I'm in a meeting. And uh, you let me know what you find out. I'll, I'll excuse myself. I'll go answer it. So I did when she called back in the middle of the meeting. She said they found some stuff on his brain. They don't like the looks of it. Uh, they're calling in a specialist about 8 o'clock at night. They're calling in a specialist. Uh, and they're going to do some more tests around this guy, check it out, and, and see what they can turn up. Um, and problem solving mode went out the window. Uh, lost, just lost my mind. I uh, felt the fever fear that you just don't, I'm not prepared for. So um, I typically, you know, if I'm working, I'm working, and I'll work through whatever. If I've had a back injury, if I'm hurting, if i got personal problems, or it doesn't matter, I just shove it aside and I do it. I ended the meeting, sent them all home, and I went to a closet, and I uh, knew a nighttime custodian came through somewhere in the evening, and I wasn't about to be disturbed here. Uh, Stephanie said, you stay there. He might have to stay overnight. I need you to go to the house and get us some things. If he has to stay, so stay there. I'll call you as soon as I know something. I've got this. You be my errand person. You, you, you get the support stuff we need if we have to stay. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I went to that closet, and my first response was, i got to let my worship leader and my pastor know. got to get prayer on it. She said, I've already got the word out. I said, good. So I went to that closet, and I locked it. I didn't want to be disturbed. I turned off the lights, and I hit my knees. I prayed hard. I prayed so hard. Never prayed that hard in my life. I don't know how long I was there. I lost track of time. From there on out, the timeline got real fuzzy. I couldn't tell you how long I was there. 
I, but I remember I prayed the word and I prayed, uh, I brought up every testimony I could think of. It just started flowing. Uh, and I, I reminded God, I said, I know your word says you're no respecter of persons. What you did for any of these folks, you'll do for me. Now, God didn't need me to remind him, but he needed me to remind myself to build that faith. And um, I brought up, and I said, you did this for Gary in June. You did this for Tim and Rita Galvin. You did this for Lynn Rodney. Uh, you did this for all these folks, for, for Ms. King. I brought up a testimony Victoria Jackson gave here. She hasn't been in church here in a long time. She's moved out of the state, but it's a testimony she gave about 15 or 20 years ago came up. Uh, so whenever, if, if you've got a testimony, if there's something that you feel led to share, uh, don't underestimate the power that it has. I don't know how long that stuff had been in me, but it came out that night. It came out hard. Now, pray wasn't pretty, folks. Okay, sometimes praying's dignified. Sometimes it's just raw, and uh, and just to paint the picture, I'm not an emotional guy, but I cried so hard when I finished, I couldn't see. I had so much. Well, it was a little gross, but I had so much snot in my nose. I realized I can't breathe. Uh, I, the room I was in had a sink in it, but I turned out the lights and locked the door. I couldn't see. I couldn't breathe. But I remember, oh, there's a sink over here somewhere. I found my way to that sink. And I cleaned myself up and and got got myself back. But the testimony that people gave in, in a service very much like this uh, supported me. And, it, and it, that and the word got me back on track. So when I got the call and, and she said, a uh, specialist said, that's harmless, that's nothing. Uh, then I went back and prayed again. Uh, and a lot of prayed a, a prayer of Thanksgiving. But if, if you've got a testimony, like I said, I held on to this until I felt like God said, it's about time to share. And I suspect it's just because I probably couldn't have got the words out. It, it was a very deep, personal thing. And, and I, I'm not sure I've ever really shared it with anybody. Uh, but your testimony, don't underestimate its value. Don't, don't underestimate what it could do for any one of us here when we need it the most. Um, but I wanted to name those specific people your testimony lifted me up that night it built my faith and that's a powerful thing that and the word of God and, and it put that to rest uh, so thank you thank you very much go ahead love you brother you want to come we're good we're good they still they serve food all day grocery stores open all day First of all, to mention, they talk about love in this place and the love. And I'm sure I'll forget the people, but there's a few people in my life that, that started my journey here, and it's Donna. Donna was one of them. Miss Becky was one, and Miss Karen. A year ago this June, my mother passed away with lung cancer. I know the Lord is my rock. But Mama was my second rock. We had life's events, things in my life. Mama and I had got very close, and I just, Mama was my second go to other than the Lord, you know, because you can always call Mama whether you're right or wrong. Mama's going to support you. Mama's always going to be there with them hugs, 
and I was just, I was struggling so much grief. And at the end of last year, Pastor Brent said, well, you take into 2018 is what 2018 will be. And other events and things going on in my life. And I decided when I heard Pastor Brett say that, that's not going to be me. I am not going to take grief and hurt and pain into 2018, God. You said in your word that you heal the brokenhearted and you bind up their wounds. And your promises are yes and amen, and that's mine, and I'm taking it. Miss Karen, I was sharing with Miss Becky one day, and just having so much, and they sent me to Miss Karen because she'd lost her mother. And I have to praise God for Miss Karen, Miss Becky, because it's been a journey. <laughs> but I thank God that he used those people and Pastor Brett's, you know, and I feel like the reason I'm here today because there's, I'm sure there's others in here that have grief. Grief is the word I keep hearing that brought me to this spot right now. There is no mountain too high like we sing that God can't tear down. There's no chain too tight that God can't tear down. God will dust you off. He will set you up on the rock, and that rock is Jesus. He will never leave you. He will not forsake you. You know, the word says mother and father may leave you. Husbands may leave you, but God will never leave you nor forsake you. He is our provider. He is our banner over us. He supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. I'm kind of like the guy I just spoke. I'm kind of a private person, but in the events of my life, I'm, I like motorcycles. <laughs> and I've been praying, <laughs> Lord, you know how much I love to ride because my motorcycle left. But anyway, <laughs> and so April of this year, I'm sure some of y'all see me riding on my motorcycle. <laughs> give God all the credit because last year I went for four months staying with my mama taking care of my mom and dad no income like I tried to get the I mean, y'all know the PPL program where you, they pay you to take care and I got approved two days before my mama died and she was too sick to sign the papers so therefore, I didn't get no income. Oh, my God. But April of this year, three days from before what would have been my mama's birthday, God blessed me with the motorcycle. And that is just a God thing. I mean, I know it may sound trivial, and I'm not boasting, but God knows the desires of your heart. And when you seek him and you commit your way to him, he will direct your path and give you the desires of your heart. I just praise God and thank God that he's brought me through. People like Karen, Miss Becky, the people who have been there through the grief. And I just encourage anybody here that is going through any kind of grief, God is our rock. I mean, 
he answers in his time, in his way, because I kept saying, Lord, you know the way. You are the way maker. And there's some songs that Cody sing about being free. Jesus will set you free, whether it's grief, whether it's addiction, whether it's loss, whatever it is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And when we, he stands here, there's a door. If we knock at the door, he will open. Most important, if anybody here don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he can do. But he's no respecter of persons. He can do for you what he's done for me. Now I get stage fright, go figure. Um, when I was five years old, I had an aneurysm. I was totally paralyzed and it caused me to have a stroke. I was very fortunate to have a praying family, but my dad's not a Christian. And the only time I've ever had the opportunity to hear him pray was when he laid across my body because he drank at the time. And he asked God to let me live. He wouldn't drink no more. I still remember the first time that I walked. The stroke affected my left side, my speech, my learning disability. I was made fun of in high school. I know what it's like to be different and to stand out. I was very shy then. I never went home and told my family because some things, as even as a teenager, you don't want your family to know because you're ashamed. I know what it's like to be bullied. I know what it's like not to fit into crowds. And I know what it's like to come close to turning your back on God. Because you feel alone. Nobody sees you. You feel as indifferent. And I thank God that I had a praying mama that has seen me at my lowest. And it's not to pat her on her back, but she's my best friend. She has seen every tear that I've ever been through. My family, I've been truly blessed. I have um, muscle spasms in my chest. I've had surgery on my hand. And when I was released from the Roanoke, they said and told my parents, if I have another seizure, it will kill me or I can become totally paralyzed. And my mom said, but God. A few years ago, I started having health issues. Had to go to the doctor. And at this time, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer. So we were swapping our appointments around. And when I talked to my doctor, it uh, took me to my knees. She uh, informed me that if I have children, that I could die and the child live. So I was left with a option that I needed surgery and I would not be able to have children. It honestly broke me. I went home and I walked my parents' land and I wept. It was the first time I questioned God, why did I live? I've had a stroke. It was like everything was taken from me. And I thank God for Grace Point. I thank God for Angie, for Rhonda, for Teresa, and for Jenny. 
these women have showed into my life many times since I've been there. And when I had to go for surgery that Monday, we was having praise and worship that Sunday night. And all I did was that weekend I wept before God and my mama would just hold me. And I asked God to let Amy sing one song. And it was no longer a slave. Nobody knew that I was going through this because I'm bubbly and I'm out there. I love people. But no one knew. Because you can be in many places and you can see somebody smiling, laughing, joking, but you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Because I'm very, I'm a master at throwing on what I call mask. Because if you ever watch my Facebook, I can throw a lot of masks out there when I'm having a moment. And I remember it was here. I wept. And I remember a slew of women surrounding me. Because I was nervous. And I was broken. And I still, I don't know the woman who prayed, but she spoke into my ears what I had already put before God. I went that Monday, and I had my surgery. And a couple of days before my dad was going in for his surgery, I said, can I pray for you? Because I remember he laid across my body, and he prayed. And I thank God for the Coleman's. Ronnie Coleman, <laughs> he has been an instrumental in my dad's life. He's been the only man to come to my dad's house. If they're not calling, they're checking on us when we're not here, and Angie. And Miss Becky. And um, you don't forget who's been there in your lowest. And I'm very thankful for Ronnie coming because he comes and he sits with my dad and does talks and does fellowship. And I went to him and I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, where are you going to anyway? You might as well just get it over with. And so I did, and uh, he went through the surgery and the process, and it was, you know, you even though you walk in faith, you have the enemy coming in the back of your mind trying to throw things at you. And I'm here to tell you that he is cancer-free. When, when we left the, the building that day and we walked outside thanking God, there was a white dove in the air. When I was going through, I have, uh, after my surgery and everything, I went through a year of depression, panic attacks, anxiety. I withdrew for about a year. The night that I had my first panic attack, I just got done reading uh, Psalms 91. And I would joke around with my family because I was cold-natured, and I would say, uh, I would love to have a hot flash. Please don't ever say. <laughs> well, I just got done putting my Bible up, and I'm, you know, you having that quiet time with God. And about the time I feel the sudden rush of heat, I said, well, that's unusual. So, you know, you're throwing your sweatshirt off, and about the time my heart was racing, and I threw myself in the floor. And growing up, I was blessed to um, pay hell. I was very blessed and fortunate with Kay, with Margaret, prayer warriors that would come to my house. And you would hear them pray. And all through my teenage years, my mama would always tell me, one day I'm not going to be here. You're going to have to get to know, know how to get a hold of God. 
Well, that night, I finally figured that out, what she meant, because I couldn't make it out of my room. The panic attack lasted all night. I went to my doctor because I didn't know what in the world was going on because I don't do sadness. I don't do depression. I don't go quiet. I took myself into my parents' dining room for three months. I laid in fear. And I, I don't do fear, but I was literally in fear like I was dying and literally going into the depths of hell. And if you've never had a panic attack, you truly don't know what it does to you mentally and emotionally and what also what it does to your family because they don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And I still go through it now. I don't have the panic attacks, but I do have the anxiety because my mother, um, we have these talks. You know, mother and daughter have these little moments and talk. And I pay attention. I always pay attention when your parents talk, even though you don't want to hear it because one day they're not going to be here. And I got that that night when I was in the office, not in my life. I was on medication that um, I had thoughts of suicide. I wanted an easy way out. Because when people see you laughing and they see you joking and picking, they think you have it all together. <laughs> people really don't know. So I went to my parents and I said, I want off of this medication. It's causing me to have crazy thoughts that I've never had in my life. And even though now I'm at Grace Point, <laughs> Angie has been blessing my life because she knows what's been going on and she talks with me. And I still walk in my victory. Even though I have the anxiety, it's under my feet. It's going to die. It's not going to last because I had great fear all doing testimonial. And I said, I have to do it because you are an overcomer through your testimony. And I thank God for this church. I thank God for Pastor Brad and Miss Lisa. Y'all are a blessing, and I love y'all all. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.